can't believe Duke is getting boat raced right now. Yeah. John Shire's back is starting to hurt him a little bit. <laughs> I know. Coach K's like, I got a guy you can see. No, nah, somewhere Coach K is very happy he doesn't have to worry about this. There he is. I'm here. Thank God. Sorry about that. Had to, it crashed and I had to like reboot the Zoom. It's all right. My dog keeps walking all over the uh, surf protector that plugs in the, the router and keeps killing the internet, which, <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> is not frustrating at all. CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 4th. Happy New Year to all of you out there um, who celebrate. Um, I realize we're several days into the uh, into the new year, but if in case somebody hasn't wished you a happy new year yet, there you go. Now that now that you've had that to, to, to be excited about. Um, Virginia coming off of uh, a very up and down sort of few days. Cavaliers looked pretty good in a win over uh, Georgia Tech um, this weekend, then did not look very good in the second half in, Spitz, in Pittsburgh last night. We will no doubt get into all of that and more uh, on this here program. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce, introduce everybody up in Fishersville. Board moderator du jour, David Spence, is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. I'm doing a lot better than Duke right now, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. Yeah. Poor Duke getting boat raced. Um, and in Charlottesville, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Uh, not too bad. Um, Dave, isn't there something about like people in glass houses or something like that? Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess UVA didn't lose by 25 or whatever it is now. But Also, Brad, you mentioned like if you know it's a few days into the new year, like we're wishing you New Year late. It would be funny if we just like recorded, Happy New Year, guys, and like posted it. And that was it. It was a seven second podcast <laughs> on the first. It's like we wanted to make sure you heard it right away. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, all right, let's 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 talk about uh, I don't know, sort of the the UVA basketball sized elephant in the room, which is I'm not sure how good the team is. Um, and and I feel like. Watching UVA Twitter trying to process this has been both um, somewhat entertaining, alarming, um, disconcerting, uh, just a wide range of emotions, really. Um, the Cavaliers looked pretty strong in that win over uh, Georgia Tech this weekend, 74-56 in Atlanta. Um, two strong, nice balanced halves. They you know, kind of did all the things that they're supposed to do. Um, Armand Franklin got going again. Um, or I guess, he, you know, he kind of kept going. Um, it was nice balance scoring, you know, dudes played some, some minutes off the bench. It was, a you know, kind of what you hoped to have against that Georgia tech team, which, you know, has been pushing Miami at least some tonight. And then 
the first half in Pittsburgh looked good. 33-23 at the break. Um, they allow 45 points, though, in the second half, lose 68-65. It wasn't really that close. I mean, that it was that's technically the score, but it didn't feel like that was the score, if that makes any sense. They went from having a 12-3 to advantage in points off turnovers to losing that category 21-12, I mean, which is just rough. Um, Pitt was very good in, in ter- not only in terms of converting Virginia's turnovers into points, but also, um, I thought just really taking the aggression to the Cavaliers and in, in hindsight, you know, we typically, you know, we don't, we don't do like the, you know, the super hot take reaction stuff. Like we're not, you know, the three seconds after the horn, we're not firing up the podcast so we can all like, you know, get super, you know, uh, outlandish on the show. That being said, like ever since last night, I don't feel like my um, my confusion has sorted itself out at all. Other than to say that maybe the 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 bottom line, Dave, is that that Virginia had a chance or has a chance to be good, but maybe this is just this inconsistency, this lack of of um, you know lack of synergy between the 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 offense getting going at times and the defense being able to dial in. Maybe that's just sort of what this team is. Um, how are, how are you feeling today? Um, after moving to two and two in league play? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out why everyone's like jumping off the ship and worried about the program. Like it it was a bad second half. Um, much like the first half in Miami was bad, but look, I think there's there's guys playing who haven't played in the ACC before. Um, you know, BVP Isaac, you know, Ryan Dunn and look, Pitt's a good team. And if there's a type of team that has given Virginia problems, even when they were, you know, proven elite teams that won many games during the year, it's teams have got four guys who can put the ball on the floor. And most of the night last night, that's what Pitt presented. Now Virginia did a good job of shutting them down in the first half. But if you go back and rewatch the game, Obviously, Virginia was cleaner on the offensive end themselves, but you know Pitt just made some of the shots they missed in the first half and got some momentum going. Um, I mean, I've been trying to come up, you know, with ten plus years of Tony Bennett as a coach. Now, you know, we kind of joke how you, you know, you kind of see how guys fit into that title team role um, when you're recruiting them, but you've got ten years of teams to kind of go back and compare and learn a little bit from, and that's what I tried to kind of went and did last night. And I'm thinking this, you know, best case for Virginia, this team is like the 15, 16 team that lost in the elite eight. You know, they lost Atkins the year before from the year before and Justin Anderson and their main starting lineup was like Devin, um, London, Malcolm with Isaiah Wilkins and Anthony Gill. So they lost like those two dynamic wing defenders. And it took a little while for Tony to figure out an ACC play. Um, figure out rotations and that kind of thing because they started off like two and three in the ACC losing three road games to I think it was Florida State Virginia Tech and I can't remember the third but um, I think it was Georgia Tech if I remember correctly yeah yeah Georgia Tech that's right Um, so you know you've seen it before and then they turned it around I think they finished 13 and five in the ACC went to the ACC championship obviously had a lead late in that elite eight game Um, so I think you just have to give them time to figure it out. As frustrated as I was in the second half, like wanting them to make adjustments. Like the truth is without Kafaro there, you didn't have a lot of big options. Um, 
and Caden had played some minutes, probably could have brought him in a little earlier. I just don't know if it would have changed things. Um, and maybe in the end that experience that BVP got in a bad way last night and that experience that Ryan Dunn kind of had in his few minutes will help the team get better down the road. So to, to, to your point about that, uh, that team, um, they were 12 and one going into the second ACC game of the season. So yeah. they lose three of the first, what amounts to three of the first six ACC games, but three of four. Um, I think the thing with really the good bit was the, the bit that year was like they couldn't win road games, right? Yeah, they or lost at like Tech, at Georgia Tech, at Florida State. Then they rattled off uh, seven wins in a row to move to nine and three, including wins at Wake, at Louisville, where they just beat the dog snot out of them, 63-47. Um, and they won at Pittsburgh, 64-50. Um, before they came home, they lost to Duke. They lost to Miami. So, th yeah, that was a you know a fairly consistent thing. I think that my problem, and Dave, I'm going to drill into something you said here because I, I think I appreciate the point. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, the program's in trouble or anything like that. What I'm saying is that, like, what, what I feel like is crystallizing for me, right, is that this team could have – put a couple things together and may still put a couple things together and be a different version of a better version of the team that I thought they could be. Whereas in reality, I think who they are going to be is something to step down from that. And so instead of being what I thought would, you know, had the potential to have the best team in the league and sort of, um, you know, putting together a really special season, right? I think they're just going to, they're going to be in the fight. Um, they're probably going to be in the mix for that, you know, top three, four seeds in the ACC tournament. Um, they're going to have a solid seed for the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a fine year, right? And, I, and I'm not saying like, the, you know, oh, this guy is falling, you know, anything like that. I'm just saying that like the upper echelon that I thought this team might have when they came out and did what they did against Baylor and against Illinois and at Michigan, that team has just sort of vanished a little bit. And I think there are lots of different reasons as to why that might be the case. Ferber, in terms of the way you see this whole thing, I thought your takeaways were were very good. As I kind of went on my little Twitter thread uh, at lunch today, where are you, where do you stand on this? I mean, how are you sort of feeling about the big picture? Yeah, I mean, I think you you kind of hit one of the things, and, and the word "fine" kind of kept coming up last night. I was like, this team's fine. Like they're not bad. They're also not elite. You know, right. like they look like they might be elite for like a week. Um, and then they kind of came back down to earth. But if you think about it, though, you know, like if you go back to what we thought at the end of last year and what we thought before this season, this team is sort of, I think, starting to settle into that sort of a like that range. Right. Right. Like right. bottom half of the top 25. They're going to beat the bad teams a lot of nights. And I think Pitt has kind of graduated from bad team to at least like, OK, decent team. Right. Um, they certainly seem like they're headed towards the tournament at this point. Um, you know, and you know, if you look at their losses, they're not bad losses. They lost to Houston. They lost to Miami. Who's what, like number 12 or whatever it is. And, you know, pit on the road might end up looking not so bad. Um, once their metrics sort of match what we're seeing, but you know, ultimately I think that they're gonna, they're gonna have games where they look like they did on Saturday, um, where they're going to play a bad team and things are going to click and that team's not going to execute very well against the UVA defense. That's always hard to play against. Um, and then they're going to have games like they did last night where it's like, you know, 
they look good for parts of it. They look bad for other parts of it. They go on scoring droughts that let the other team stay in the game. They don't make threes. They have defensive lapses. The lineups that they have aren't really conducive to what they need to do on defense. Um, and that's just who this team is. I think, you know, you just want to skew the results towards that first group. And then also you need to, there's also another component of this, which is like the quote unquote big games, right? So we've seen them have some big games already, um, you know, against Baylor and Illinois and, and Houston and my, and Michigan, I guess, if you want to say that in Miami. So like, we kind of have a sample size for that. Like, it's like, how are they going to do in those games? That's going to determine like where their range ends up being. But like, I think ultimately they're like a fine team. They're like a top four ACC type team, but they're going to have some like clunkers in there. They're going to have some games where they like, they sneak it out, but it's like, man, they really could have lost to like a team that might not be very good. Um, they also might, you know, go end up on the wrong side of a game or two like that. And ultimately I think they end up kind of where we thought they would be before the season. You know, Dave mentioned that team that had that slower start to ACC play. And I think there's definitely some parallels, but the one difference is I think that team was just a lot better. And, and, you know, they definitely had some things they had to work through, but they had Malcolm Brogdon and Anthony Gill and this team just doesn't. And I think that's like kind of the biggest thing that puts them where they are is that like Kihei Clark has been very, very good this year. He's like playing the best basketball of his career. Um, and Reese is limited, but coming back and all the other guys on the team, basically like they might show up on a given night and they might not show up on a given night. And that's kind of what you have. And ultimately right. you think maybe the they'll figure out the rotations and figure out like which players they can count on, especially in crunch time. But, you know, I think with a team like that, you're going to have some ups and downs. Right. And, you're still going to be better than most of the teams you play, but you're not going to be a team that can just stroll in. And there's no, I said in the thing, there's no gimmies on their schedule except for like maybe Louisville, because yeah. like, I think anybody else in the ACC can beat them. So real time follow-up um, Pittsburgh hasn't played um, Miami yet. Their loss, their losses are West Virginia, Michigan, VCU and Vanderbilt. And those um, were early in the season. I mean, they're, they're three of those here. four, right. We're in the first four games of the season. They lost to Vanderbilt, uh, 75 74 uh in de- early december in the um um at vanderbilt but i mean they've they you know since being one and three they're now 11 and four they're four and oh in the league so i mean your point's still well taken um right now i think because they've just beaten carolina and virginia there's obviously a you know a pretty strong sense that you know they're going to be one of the better teams in the league but you know one of the things about the acc and one of the things about conference play in general is like teams, even if these guys are, even if a lot of the players, you know, because of the portal, because the dude's leaving early, all that fun stuff, even if they don't necessarily have a lot of experience playing against you, their coaching staffs typically have a lot of experience against playing against you. And it's, it's no, there's no doubt that teams in the ACC understand what Virginia is versus maybe Illinois or Baylor or Michigan, right? That being said, I think, one of the things that that stands out to me is this one. This group is a little different in the sense that, and I mentioned this a little bit on on my Twitter thread today. But like, a lot of Virginia teams are either they get their energy from their defense or they get their energy from their offense. Right? The championship team was a group that kind of melded those two things together in the sense that like both their offense and their defense were very good. And whenever one of the other one, whenever one of them wasn't kind of doing what it needed to do, they were able to turn it on on one end and, and impact the other. Some Virginia teams have been very good defensively, and when they got after defensively, it helped their offense. 
some Virginia teams have been good offensively and been able to sort of turn it on on defense because of that. This one doesn't seem to have a, a real strength on either end. It it feels like a group that should be better offensively, but they're too helter-skelter. They're too Jekyll and Hyde. And to Ferber's point just a second ago, right, like it is, other than Kihei, right, you don't really know night to night to night what you're going to get. Um, and so that's why when they either when when they're playing games where they're like hitting threes very at a high percentage, or they're turning teams over at a high percentage, um, these extra opportunities, these extra points, it fuels them. Right? Their defense helps their offense, or offense helps their defense. But realistically, they they don't have anything that they can sort of like consistently just kind of roll the ball out there, and this is who they are. Um, case in point, last night, if you look at the two halves combined. Right, Pitt had eight turnovers in the first half. They had none in the second half. Right, so that's why UVA obviously didn't have any points off turnovers. Right, Pitt literally didn't turn the ball over for the last half of the game. All right, now if you look at Virginia on the other side and you look at the comparisons, yeah, they still shot 46 percent, forty six and a half roughly. Right, they shot forty eight percent in the first half. That wasn't a big deal. In the second half, they actually shot the three ball better, but they only took seven threes. Right, they weren't really moving the ball as well. They weren't putting the uh, they weren't they weren't putting sort of the pressure on Pittsburgh in any way, shape, or form. And I think that lack of aggression, like this team, seems to do well when they get into things quicker, when they are the aggressor, when they are taking it to the opponent. And I feel like somewhere at the end of that first half, man, they I I, I don't I'm not a big believer in this. Like oh, you know, they stopped trying. I'm not I, I don't think that that thing's real. But I do think that there was a sense of like oh, Pittsburgh's about to this thing is about to be over. Like, I feel like they, they were in that zone to start the second half. Um, and man, Pittsburgh was not done and credit to, to Jeff Capel's group for sort of riding the ship and, and getting them where they needed to go. Um, I thought the, I, I, I genuinely, I thought midway through that game that like all this Pittsburgh stuff was hype. I was like, I'm just not seeing it. I didn't see it with the Henson kid. Burton wasn't scaring me at all. Um, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, this team's a fraud. Like, I was like, this is like not the first like half. they're not real. You know, they're just not I was real. Like, they can't get stops. They they miss assignments. They're giving up easy baskets. They're not really like taking good shots. But the one thing they were was like athletic and dude, they were going hard. Everything I think Capel made some nice tilt. adjustments at halftime too and was like, get to the rim, get yeah. in transition, make them play fast. And UVA kind of took the bait. Yeah. Even when they were up like nine, I texted you guys and was like, UVA's kind of sped up right now. So, yeah, they were at low out of sorts. Shots. And it felt yeah, I think too, would be like, a hold on one second, Dave. I was just going to say, and it felt like too, like Tony did some weird stuff with the lineups. Like that that last stretch where he he didn't have Shedrick on the floor, even though Shedrick didn't, wasn't in any sort of foul trouble. You know, his minutes, I mean, unless there was some other sort of reason, right? He, he, he felt like he needed to give him extra rest because of whatever it just seemed like an odd decision and it's certainly in, in the way it played out i mean that federico guy who is like what is he six not six ten six eleven like whatever he is he's long like i'm sorry but bvp can't just defend that dude in the post and whatever ideas we may have had about virginia being able to play small like there are just going to be nights where that's not an option. And against this kind of team, like those dudes who weren't even that tall because of their athleticism and, and their um, general like you know wingspans and length and stuff, they play a lot bigger than they already are. And you can't be out there with a small lineup. Um, really sucks that, that Poppy's uh, you know, hurt and wasn't able to go. 
Um, he could have given them some productive minutes. Um, but realistically, like this is this is a this is a, a roster that has some has some real warts, and and I think that was on display at times last night. Yeah, I mean, I just think we, you know, the, this team could turn it around. I mean, the pieces there, we've seen it. I don't know what they'll be. I think you guys are probably right there, top three or four in the ACC team, probably not a runaway champion or anything. Um, and, you know, not to defend Tony, but I'll do it to my death after, <laughs> you know, after dealing with all the coaches prior to him. Um, yeah, I thought it was we, – we talked about it a little bit in our text thread. Like, Reese was close to 100%, but not there yet. Um, and that still is affecting the team because he was the guy, even in the games Virginia won early when the other team started making a run, Reese would go down and, you know, attack the rim a couple of times, get some points on the board and kind of stabilize things and wasn't able to do that as effectively last night. And then in the second half, I don't think his defense is where it was in the first half. And that's not a shocker. You know, he's got a hamstring injury, had to go not be active for 15 minutes. Um, so, like, him healthy changes the, the complexion of the team. And then, you know, BVP, uh, not to call out a single player, but here I am, you know, he definitely struggled last night. And at real time, you know, we were – I think we were all like, oh, make the change. But, you know, if you go back and look at what he did late in the game against Miami after struggling, maybe Tony was thinking, hey, if he comes you down right. and hits That's that fair. shot. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Now, you know, it's easy to, to judge. But I, I think Tony's just got to figure out how this team, what this team is, you know, the Italy trip helped. Uh, I think I talked about this in the last pod we did, like you're still trying to figure out what these guys are against, you know, especially a guy like uh, Vanderplas, like, you know, what is he against really athletic bigs that the ACC has? Um, so Tom will tell. And I think I don't quite understand the Shedrick thing. I think you said, t- I think I asked you, you said he had like 23 minutes at that point, which is a lot of minutes for Caden. Um, he only yeah. finished with 27 for the record. Yeah. But all that said, like, you know, if despite Pitt coming out aggressive, you know, they, they got the lead up to a six at something at one point or five, and Virginia came back and tied it up and then had the three get when waved they put, off. When they them. put Chedrick back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they got exactly. they got a stop at the rim where the Pitt guy, like, stumbled over his own feet, and then he, like, kind of halfway blocked the dude's baseline dunk. Yeah. But then he then also kind of gave it back ball. with the illegal screen. Yeah. yeah, there was the screen, and then he had, and then he had that weird take, which I yeah, mean, like, and honestly, he had like a turnover or something, I think, in there too. He like threw I, the I ball think, away or dropped it. Or I, I think what we're seeing to be, if we're gonna really call the spade a spade here, is like in, in that championship team. What that championship team had were multiple guys who could go get their own shot, or who were crafty enough to be able to get their own shot. Right. Right now, this Virginia team has Kihei, who can get his own shot. His problem is, is that. His lack of size really does limit what he can do. He had that one play in the in the Georgia Tech game where he like just pulled up and this dude like swatted it into like next week, right? Like there are certain spots on the floor, certain times, you know, he's just not going to be able to shoot the ball, right? And Beekman is probably the other guy who can go get his own shot. Um, as Dave said, I mean, he's he's still limited, right? So he's still in a place where. Um, you know, he's not, he's not really going to blow by anybody. And even then he was never, he has never really been a guy who, you know, you cleared out for, and he just took a guy to the rack. Um, I I think the more, the more he dribble drives and touches the paint, the better, you know, the good things happen for UVA beyond that. Like Franklin's not a guy who can create his own shot. Gardner is a mid range guy who 
if those shots aren't falling, right? And last night he was uh, two of seven from the floor. Um, if those shots aren't falling, the offense suddenly looks really clunky, especially if if Vinerplas isn't hitting any threes. Um, if they're not, you know, picked up. Um, to put that sort of in context, think about what that championship team was. And I understand, is it really fair to any any team to compare them to the best team that Virginia's ever had? Okay, that's you know, but like. Kyle Guy was a dude who who not only shot threes, but he could he he was always hunting his threes, and so you had to trail him. His he he tired defenses out, and they had to send multiple guys at him. Typically, even guys typically with more length, because it was the one thing you could do because he got his shot so quick. Jerome was crafty by getting into lane. He got so many floaters and and trash around the um around the block simply because he's just very good at at, at sort of the the misdirection, right? The, the get you leaning one way when you shouldn't be, or, or being able to sort of use his acceleration and deceleration to his advantage, right? He's very good and very crafty by using his body. In addition to that, you had Deandre Hunter, who was a dude who could do a multitude of different things. Um, and you also had, you know, length with Mamadi and, and there were different pieces that fit together. When you look at the way these dudes fit together, the, the glaring issue is that they're just not super athletic, Right. And so whether it's long rebounds, whether it's, you know, there are lots of different times. And you saw this last night, right, where Pitt turned up the intensity. They, they had a real sense of urgency. And Virginia just couldn't match it, in part, I think, because the shots that were there in the first half weren't, all of a sudden weren't there. It was harder to get that shot. And it was, it was harder to, you know, for the motion to sort of work. Dude's coming out. You know, the timing was there. The ball was there. But the look wasn't. And I feel like you can kind of, for lack of a description, body Virginia up right now. And it really puts them in a bind because they don't have anybody who can sort of use that over-pursuit, so to speak, right, to their advantage. They don't have anybody who can, you know, really make a lot of hay um, getting their own looks, getting to the rim. They don't have anybody who slashes. They don't have anybody who creates. A lot of it has to be manufactured. And it reminded me... You know, we used to talk way back when, before Virginia's football offense, right, was any good, that, like, you can have 12, 13, 14 play drives, but there are so many instances where there are so many little places where you can make a mistake. But when you have two plays that go 75 yards, it's a whole lot fewer times for you to screw it up, right? And I was thinking that late in the clock, right? Kihei's driving, he's got nowhere to go, right? And there's nobody around him to sort of help make those minor mistakes not be such glaring mistakes, right? So that he's trying to dish to Caden Shedrick going to the lane. Why? Because he can't actually shoot the shot because he's he doesn't have the size and he doesn't have the athleticism to, to get to the place he needs to be, right? So I think when you look at the thing in the totality of circumstances, like if they shoot the ball really well, yeah, this team can be pretty good. If they're defending at a super high level, they can be pretty good. Your problem right now is that you don't have – dudes that you can rely on night to night to night to get exactly the same thing. And in addition to that, I don't think you really have a good mix uh, talent wise in terms of being able to, for guys to cover up for other people's deficiencies. That was the thing that 19 team did. Ty Jerome is not the most athletic dude. Kyle guy in a lot of ways was not the most, you know, longest, you know, bounciest dude, but they had other dudes who could cover that up And the way that those skill sets overlapped. That's what you're looking for. The roster right now is what it is. You can't. You're obviously not going to change it midseason. I just don't see a way for them to kind of cure what ails them. Even I mean, I realize like everybody, you know, like look, 
they might go into the next few games, right? They get Syracuse at home this weekend. They go to Carolina. They get Carolina uh, next week. Uh, they got to go to Florida State. Then they got Tech at home. They might run off a, a, a string of wins, right? They're going to do it at some point. This absolutely. They're going to get hot again, Every, and they're going to win like five in a row. Absolutely. Like, Everybody looks like the best team in the country. Completely agree. Everybody yeah. needs a reset sometimes, right? Everybody needs a reset. And they're going to get that, and they're going to look fine. The bottom line for me is that, like, I'm just not sure once they get that, can they sustain it? Yeah. I mean, they're going to win those games, and then they're going to lose to, like, you know, Boston College or something. Yeah. Because, like, they just turn it off and on a lot. And I think a lot of it, like, I mean, I've said it since the beginning of this, since before the season, it sounds really, really stupid to say because it's so simple because there's so many other things that go into it. But the destiny of this team is going to be determined by how they shoot the three. Absolutely. Period. I think that's because they, that's like you said, they're clear. not, they don't win enough one-on-one matchups elsewhere. Like they don't, they don't have a dominant post scorer. They don't have a guy that can slash and score like all the time. Kihei can do it situationally and he's done a good job, but like it's going to come down to if they make their threes or not. I mean, like you look at BVP at the beginning of the season, he was like a huge factor in how they were playing and winning those games outside of that Miami game where he got hot and went four for nine from three. He's two for 22 in five of the last six games. Like, yeah. And it's like when that happens, not only is that like a bunch of trips, I don't want to say wasted because everybody misses shots, but you know what I mean? Then it's like, all right, so, you know, where are you going to go now? Now you have to go to the next guy. And it's like, all right, now you got to find someone to like get hot, like in the middle. And they just haven't really, you know, been able to do that again. I'm not seeing, I'm not, and I don't really, I didn't really have a lot of issues with the coaching last night. I thought some of the lineup stuff was unfortunate, but I think a lot of it was a byproduct of Pitt wasn't turning the ball over and there weren't a lot of whistles. So like Pitt just kept, scoring and UVA either, well there were either... there were there were whistles in the sense they were fouls called on you yeah like, and I think Tony it. maybe I think if there was one thing I would maybe say is like maybe Tony should have called timeout at some point to switch yeah there the was lineups. one yeah there was one stretch where I thought he should have called timeout and and he waited uh, like two possessions long there were the, people the sitting at the scorers table for like a long time I remember yeah. and just being like oh wow but anyway like you know I'm, I'm not gonna nitpick that too much but I think ultimately it's like when they make their shots they can probably beat anybody when they don't they can lose to, you know, 200 teams. And that's true for a lot of teams, right? And, you know, maybe they figure out like a lineup where they're not so helter-skelter up and down and they have more consistency and they kind of play better together. Um, but when they start making shots, it also opens up better ball movement, more stuff's there. Um, you know, they can start to kind of get some momentum on the defensive end. And when you, when they're doing that, great. And when they're not, you know, you, you saw it from one half to the next last night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if there's one thing this, that could happen with this team um, would be Ryan Dunn, like, getting a little better on defense, being a little more disciplined defensively. Because, yeah, I don't think at this point, you know, you're, I think you're 20% into the ACC season, but further into the whole season, obviously. Um, you know, he's not going to become DeAndre Hunter at the end of the year. Um, but if he could just... Like last night, he struggled. Like he got a little too worked up. His, you know, his closeouts for yeah. a little undisciplined. If he could just nail that down, where he can come in and give you ten to twelve, maybe fifteen minutes a game, and he does nothing but help neutralize a wing player that we struggle with right now, that could be, you know, one feasible, you know, thing this team can do better other than just shooting the ball. Um, 
And he probably has the most room for growth because he's young and he has the body, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you've got the other pieces right around him, you don't really need to count on him to score, you know, like the shot clock, shoot the three. But, um, you know, it kind of goes back to that team I brought up at the beginning. Like, you know, they when you lose a Justin Anderson and a Darian Atkins like they did that year, you know, you still don't have that elite wing defender, that dog, if you will, you know, the six, eight guy, um, you know, and, and assuming they're not pulling a red shirt off of trout at this point, Dunn's the, you know, Dunn, Dunn could potentially answer some stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, I have, I mean, everybody who's within any sort of earshot of me, I mean, I, I genuinely think that that kid has the highest ceiling of anybody on the floor. Um, in large part because of things that have nothing to do with, you know, his experience so far at UVA. I mean, he's he physically, he's long, he's athletic, he's a nice, he's that kind of tweener where he he kind of benefits both of the tweens, right? In the sense that his length makes him a better guard, um, and his guard-like athleticism makes him at times a better forward. The problem is, is that the last few games he just hasn't been able to tap into what we saw earlier in the season, even in in games where he's playing against teams with a pretty decent amount of talent, right? Um, I, I feel like. One of the things that if you had a magic wand is to go back and play him more. Um, and I wonder, you know, watching him last night to Dave's point, like it was that Virginia needed him to be more than he's capable of being right now. Now, is that a product of sort of just where he is in terms of his overall development? Maybe, but it also could be aided in part, at least by playing more minutes and being out there more. Right. That was probably, you know, think about the road environments he's played in. Right. He played in the game at Miami. He played all of 13 whole minutes, excuse me, 16 minutes. Um, and he was a plus 13 in that game. Right. Now he was 0 for 2 from the floor. He didn't score. He only had two boards. He, he um, had one block, but he was out there when they were productive and that helped. And I feel like more opportunity for him to do that, the better. Because realistically, what are your options, right? What is the alternative? The alternative is to basically hope that dudes make threes. I mean, I feel like one of the things that that Virginia struggled with last night was, yeah, Pitt was a it was a different sort of team. You think about the majority of those guys on that roster are dudes who have put in a lot of minutes at the college level, right? Guys who transferred in from other schools, guys who have played college ball for a while. Even if they, you know, weren't necessarily the most like physical and they were in spots, but they were athletic and they were they had they were hungry, right? Right now, Ryan Dunn is gonna have to, you know, in terms of like your own like energy level and your own like mindset to match that to make up for his own like physical lack of strength and stuff, that's a that's a that's a heck of an ask, right? But his athleticism would have been nice to be able to use in different spots. And I feel like if you look at the teams that Virginia's gonna play coming up soon i mean i'm i've got the carolina game in here on right now and i'm watching um you know leaky black hit threes i'm seeing you know caleb love and davis uh, you, you know virginia can't match these dudes in terms of athleticism where they have to beat them is in is an execution and there have definitely been times this year where virginia has like been able to essentially out execute a better you know maybe more athletic team um, and capitalize on their own athleticism, right? Franklin is is an ath- is a pretty good athlete. Beekman is a pretty good athlete. Um, I just feel like asking guys to, okay, you just either got to go out there and make threes, or you have to be elite defensively. That's a 
man, that's a heck of a slippery slope. And too often, I think this season we found that Virginia it is not it doesn't work out so well for them when they can't when they can't foster that organically, right? When the when the other team puts them in a position where they have to do that, it's hard for them. When they're the one taking it to the opponent, they're they're in a much better spot. Think about like that's the difference to me between what I saw in Vegas from this team and what I've seen from them in a lot of games since. In Vegas, they were they played free. They were uh, they're executing a high level. If confidence wise, they they weren't they didn't care if they missed a shot before, right? And there are definitely times when you watch this team, you can see dudes being tentative, right? You can see guys not taking shots that are there. I, I almost liken this to like video games. Like if you just push the the dang button and shot the shot, sometimes you'd be better off because there are too many times where they pass up a, a pretty good shot trying to work for something else. And then they get just an absolutely terrible shot. Um, and I think this is just a different group. Like some, some Tony teams are, are different from others. Some of them are, you know, you keep passing it around and you're going to find the one, some of them, they're running really crisp offense. Dudes are coming off screens and, and, and the looks are there. This group needs to take quicker shots. They need to get down the floor faster. They, they're just better. They're more fluid. They're more engaged. Um, you can see it. You can, it's just different when they're, pushing the agenda when they're sort of taking it to the opponent as opposed to sort of withstanding the blows. I think if you think about that Houston game, like they came out of the gate that game and were, were there and then Houston responded and UVA never sort of steadied itself. Um, I, I feel like being the aggressor is a big deal for this team. And that's something that I would really like to see before them going forward. Um, in the big scheme of things, obviously, you know, we'll record, uh, obviously tonight, and then they'll play a couple of games before we get back um, to convene again next Wednesday. Do you think, Dave, we'll start with you, Syracuse, Carolina, what do you, what's, your, what's your guess for how they come back from those those two home games? 1-1, one 2-0, and 0-2, one, oh, oh what do you two think? 2-0. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you say a lot, Virginia wins at home a lot. Um, Carolina, like Syracuse, I think, Virginia can kind of get their three-point shooting going, get a little confidence going. Um, Carolina, Carolina concerns me. Uh, it, it's going to be if you know if Cafaro is still hurt, um, that Ooh. that's going to be a little bit. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't bet against Virginia at home. You'd be foolish. So I'll take two and zero. Forever. Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't think they're going zero and two. <laughs> I, I like the Syracuse matchup, the North Carolina matchup. I'm, I'm like you. I'm watching them play right now. You know, I, I keep going back to how those games went last year, and I know you know last year's last year, but that Carolina team is pretty much the same team, um, and they waxed UVA in both games. Yeah. Um, did. So I wouldn't be surprised if they came up here and won. Um, just like I mean, obviously they're still trying to find their way. They're nine and five, which goes to show that like losing a game or two at this time of year isn't the end of the world. Because I think this Carolina team is going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, eh, if I had to, you know, guess, I would say one and one. But you know, I'm much closer to two, and uh, I'm pretty close to two and zero too. I mean, wouldn't surprise me, especially since both games are at home, like Dave said. Seventy four fifty eight last year for. Carolina over UVA. I, I I watched Carolina. And then they beat and then they did it again in in Brooklyn, right? Oh yeah. It was they, like yeah. they I mean that they were up 20 in like the first half. Yeah, it was, it, it was 63 43 final. What does Ken Palm say about both games currently? 
currently Ken Palm has him has him uh, has Ken Palm winning him. Um, has Ken Palm winning? Them. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Ken Palm has them. Has Virginia winning them? Yeah, um, close them. though. Yeah. Um, Ken Palm still has UVA. Against, like they still they're still like fourteen 13. or six in the ACC or something like that. Yeah, and right now only two forecasted losses: 65-64 at Tech and sixty-eight sixty-six at Carolina. But I no, think that just kind of speaks to the league too. Like there's yeah, just no, nobody I, that's like the front runner right now. Yeah, I mean Georgia Tech just beat Miami tonight. I mean, right. weird and I mean, like, are we really gonna sit here and be like Pitt's Pitt's the favorite? <laughs> like, you know, no, Pitt could I easily mean, be. We could look up in a, in a couple weeks and Pitt could be four and four. I, don't that's think, true. I, I think the, the difference with Pitt fold. is is that like now they get Clemson at home, then they go to Duke, which you know Duke. I mean, who knows how good Duke is? Then they go to Atlanta and to Louisville, right? So by the time they go, that's not that home, hard. But they could lose any of those games. Th- no, but I think that's that's exactly your points well taken though. They like that's yeah. the league this year. You know that Virginia, I still think is probably one of the top three teams in the league, and we're talking about them just being fine, right? Like. Um, and I'm not sure. It's also of those... one on the finest of margins. They beat Syracuse by two. They beat North Carolina by two. UVA the game. UVA was like a bucket or two away from probably putting them away that's, last that's night. That's very fair. That's a very um, fair point that they've they've been able to. Maybe they they might have. Used and kudos up their luck. to them. You know, like you know, they won the games, but like you know, I don't know what they are. Um, it feels kind of like an island of misfit toys team because they just have a, t- a team of transfers basically. Um, and it's working, I guess, but like, I don't know, you know, I could easily see them. I, yeah, I think you're right, Dave. One of these years recently, they were like, oh, look at Pitt. And then they just fell off the map. Like, basically. <laughs> um, just so I wouldn't be, all of I wouldn't a sudden be we're totally off, the, off the chart. Um, the only thing I know is this, is that if you ask me today where I thought Virginia's most likely losses were, I would absolutely 100% circle February 22nd uh, on a Wednesday night in Conti Forum because... <laughs> Like if ever there was a UVA team that just was probably going to lose a game like that, it's this one, right? Now, if they go to Connie Form and win by twenty five, I'm going to feel like like a like an idiot, but I'll be very happy to be wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the rest of the schedule, at least at, like Kim Palm, like I said, they have a loss to Tech. He's got a loss to Carolina. Otherwise, everything else is wins. Fourteen to six overall in the league. I mean. <sighs> I just don't what's funny about the league this year is like nobody scares me. Right? Like not a single team on this on this uh this just slate their everybody's me. own team is what the team that scares them. Exactly. Nobody yeah. knows like what their team's gonna do other than Louisville, which means they're gonna torture you like constantly. Um but nobody knows what their team's gonna do. Um you know, they get Louisville twice, they get Boston College twice, um, they get tech twice, um they get Carolina twice. I mean, theoretically, I mean, you know, theoretically, they should beat Florida State. Like, <laughs> you know, they play Florida State, what, next weekend? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. but, you know, Florida State pushed them to the brink. And this is kind of what I was saying when they lost to Miami, like last time we recorded, like, you know, you can look at them as like, oh, they were 10 and 0 or whatever they were. It's like, all right. But if you look at the whole picture, you know, they were sneaking by like the Florida States and the JMUs of the world. It wasn't like they, they weren't like just dominating teams and they haven't yep. dominated anybody that isn't terrible yeah. except for maybe Georgia tech, I guess. Yeah. Um, so uh, w- it would be really nice, honestly, if they go, if they could like beat the brakes off. Oh, I mentioned, I forgot to mention they get Syracuse twice. Um, they could beat the break off breaks off Syracuse and uh, wake or some, you know, boss, somebody in there. Right. So you get a couple of those like, 
where not only is it going well, but they're able to sort of, you know, you know, one into the other kind of dominate. That's a, that's something we, I don't mean, you know, have they played their, their best game of the season? I mean, you could point to the two in Vegas, um, but even then there were even those, those were like halves. Like they played a really good half against Baylor. They play yeah. and an okay first half. Like they weren't terrible in the first half, but they were yeah. they were losing. Uh Michigan, they were horrible in the first half yeah. and then great in the second half. And that know? Michigan win not looking so great right now. Michigan's fine. I mean, it's know, fine. Not, but but it's it would but like it was not like the yeah. it, exactly. It's it was it's not the you know harbinger of success to come that it seemed at the time. And Illinois you know? had some issues too. Like yeah. So, I mean, and what's it funny is, what is, is, is that you can't really control that. But at the time, those wins were, you know, top 10, top 15 sort of Kempom wins. Well, Baylor's 21st right now. Illinois is 28th. Again, that's not- why UVA got as highly ranked as they got yep. is because those teams were supposed to be the elite and they just haven't been. And they might come back to that. The biggest like- thing is that Houston still remains number one in Kempom. And Virginia had a, you know, like that, that, the water gets pretty good. Um, but I mean, there I were definitely. The, I think there's a good game. chance they. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say there was there was you know there were definitely parts of that game where I thought Virginia had a really good shot of pulling it out. Yeah, I was just gonna say like, I think there's a pretty good chance that UVA has a higher seed, um, a better seed like in the um, ACC than they do in the NCAA's, which sometimes isn't the case if you're near the top. Right. Like you know, teams that can be like a two seed in the ACC and a one seed in the NCAA or whatever. Um, I think this could be a year where UVA is like the three seed in the ACC and like a six or a seven in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. UVA right now, for the record, 20th in both offensive and defensive efficiency, which is yeah, not that's necessarily... good for Virginia offensively. Huh? Great. No, defense. I know that. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that's what's interesting. All right. Anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up, fellas? I feel like we got no, okay. uh, I just want to say, hey, uh, it's still like, annoys me when we i feel like we have to bash a top 25 virginia team after years of not having one so i am still very thankful (laughs) i don't understand like this game in particular like i understand people not enjoying bad play but this isn't a like i I don't understand the people that were like shocked by them losing this game i think it was more about the the first half versus the way that they lost it I, i think it was just the second half and the fact that that like you know Pitt went on these run you know a couple runs you know the whatever it was to start the second half. And then um, mm-hmm. they had that other, I guess run it's just like on. the way they played. Yeah. I think perception. it was, it's all, it's all perception, right? I it, also think that Miami like game anytime, and this game were the same game. It's just the hats were reversed. Just has reversed. I, I also, yeah. I'm, I'm, I could really go without people comparing every single second half where another, where a team comes back and be like, Oh, it's Syracuse. Oh, no, it absolutely was not. Okay. Because one of those games was for a chance to go to the final four when the team hadn't done that since the end. And UVA kind of like threw that game away. It felt like this game Pitt just took it from them. Like, yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Like that 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 collapse, so to speak, right? That was a collapse in the sense of like you were you were thirteen minutes or whatever it was, less than that, away from going to the final four. And they started putting pressure on you, and you started making mistakes. This game, Pittsburgh just took it to them. Like Pittsburgh just was like, "No, nah, no, nah, we got this." And you know, they were the aggressor. Like this, this was not like a, you know, it was a collapse. It was whatever, but it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't. I don't know, just not the same thing. Also, it's still I'm sorry hard to win on the road. Why are we comparing ACC. a game in January to a game yeah. that you know nah. was in the tournament? Like, come on, man. Yeah. It's still very hard to win an ACC road game. Uh, Teal just tweeted us that ACC teams are 21 and 8 on the road so far. I mean, at home so far. 
Um, yeah. So Virginia's got one of those eight wins. That and also like I don't know. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, but like they, you know, they had a Pitt probably had a little bit of extra juice given you know what happened the other night in the football game. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, like I don't, I don't. I'm sure some of those guys know him. So you know. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like I, I, there was a lot of things where Pitt just, you know, and Pitt made plays, you know, they just got to the rim and did some things and that is what it is. I mean, bad matchup for UVA. If you think about it. Like, yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things where it's like these games, like people forget that these games happen to like everybody. Like, you know, you talk Miami lost to Georgia tech, you know, um, the way that UVA was like winning those games when they won the title in the year before that, like n- nobody goes like 30 and two. Like that's so rare, you know what I mean? Like, um, teams lose like six games and they end up as like a one seed. Um, I don't think that's going to be UVA's destiny, but like, you know, I think that they'll be okay. And you know, honestly, if you want to look at it in a positive light, this could be a UVA team that, um, like maybe they have some hiccups along the way and it kind of like pushes them down the board a little bit. They could be they could be like a really dangerous like underseeded team oh like carolina last year um, yeah like i mean yeah i mean it's not quite the same kind of recipe for success but you know what i mean like yeah they go in as like a six or a seven seed and then all of a sudden they're in the elite eight yeah because like, they had three really, good games i'd be very or concerned. they could lose Just, the first game i'd be you know? i'd be fine with that hey let's do it if, where do we sign if this team like rallies and ends up with a one seed i'm going to be very nervous opening night let's put it that way oh my <laughs> god yeah i mean like i said they could lose to anybody um in the tournament you know, not anybody, anybody, but anybody that's in that tournament. <laughs> not anybody, anybody. Yeah. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Overcast, or wherever it is that podcasts are quote unquote sold. Um, and if you're still inclined to give us some rating or review, we appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody that out there who's found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at catscorner.com. Trust me, there are lots of people who are probably very angry, just like you. So if you want to jump in there uh, and join that discussion, feel free. Um, there's lots of uh, lots of folks who uh, to commiserate with. I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I also want to thank everybody out there who continues to support the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being gracious to leave their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spitz, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon. Yeah.